welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 201. Though the sacred nature and the antiquity of much of the verse has long been forgotten. The worship and adoration in his own land that slowly transmuted into a guarded respect, and then finally, into amusement. He told them the story of the girl from Bantry who came to the New World, and who brought her belief in Mad Sweeney the Leprechaun with her. For hadn't she seen him of a night down by the pool, and hadn't he smiled at her and called her by her own true name? She had become a refugee in the hold of a ship of people who had watched their potatoes turn to black sludge in the ground, who had watched friends and lovers die of hunger, who dreamed of a land of full stomachs. The girl from Bantry Bay dreamed specifically of a city where a girl would be able to earn enough to bring her family over to the new world. Many of the Irish coming into America thought of themselves as Catholics, even if they knew nothing of the catechism, even if all they knew of religion was the Banshee, the Banshee, who came to wail at the walls of a house where death soon would be, and St. Breed, who was once Bridget of the two sisters, each of the three was a Bridget, each was the same woman, and tales of Finn, of Oisin, of Conan the Bald, even of the leprechauns, the little people, and was that not the biggest joke of the Irish, for the leprechauns in their day were the tallest of the mound folk? All this and more Mr. Ibis told them in the kitchen that night. His shadow on the wall was stretched and bird-like, and as the whiskey flowed, Shadow imagined it the head of a huge waterfowl, beak-long and curved, and it was somewhere in the middle of the second glass that Mad Sweeney himself began to throw both details and irrelevancies into Ibis's narrative. Such a girl she was, with breasts cream-colored and spackled with freckles, and the tips of them the rich reddish pink of the sunrise on a day when it'll be bucketing down before noon but glorious again by supper. And then Sweeney was trying with both hands to explain the history of the gods in Ireland, wave after wave of them as they came in from Gaul and from Spain and from every damn place, each wave of them transforming the last gods into trolls and fairies and every damn creature until Holy Mother Church herself arrived and every god in Ireland was transformed into a fairy or a saint or a dead king without so much as a by-your-leave. Mr. Ibis polished his gold-rimmed spectacles and explained, And that's our page. I think Ibis's version of Sweeney's story is a bit sadder than the initial reading I had done previously. In the bits of history I scanned, he went mad and lived in the trees, but was generally remembered as a hero. In Ibis's telling, Sweeney was worshipped, then respected, and finally treated more as just an amusing story, and the page seems to indicate that this may be because the original works that described him are lost, but I'm not 100% certain. It also makes me consider, though, are the old gods just fucked generally? It would certainly fit with what we know about them in America, but this page certainly suggests that this is kind of the way of gods everywhere, not just in this country. Consider the Shelley poem Ozymandias. The statue remains in the desert, and the sculptor's words are still legible, but beyond that, it's just a statue sitting in the empty desert. Eventually, the language itself will be forgotten, and the statue itself will crumble to dust and less than dust. Thus also with gods. Even in his homeland, Mad Sweeney had fallen out of favor, and if we're skipping to the bottom of the page for a moment, we get an understanding of Mad Sweeney's status in Ireland. He was a god, but then other gods arrived, subsumed the throne, and downgraded other earlier gods to a lower status until the church came and pushed all the older gods into mythology or historical kings that may or may not have existed. Bantry is mentioned on the page. It's a town in the southern part of Ireland with a population of about 2,700 as of 2016. As a town on the southwest coast, it claims a connection with St. Brendan, he who supposedly sailed to America before Columbus. Nothing else has a direct connection back to the novel, though 
I think it's an interesting parallel to have the young woman who brought Mad Sweeney to America to have lived in a place with that very connection. It's also said that Sweeney calls the girl by her true name, so that's of interest to me personally, especially in light of our discussion of Shadow's own true name. If Sweeney still has this ability, I wonder what he would say to Shadow and what name he would call him by. It's mentioned on the page that the girl leaves Ireland because of the potatoes turning to sludge in the ground, and this is probably a reference to the Great Famine or the Great Hunger. It happened in Ireland between 1845 and 1849. There was mass starvation and disease and was mostly affecting areas in the west and south of Ireland. The total deaths are thought to be around a million and the population then dropped by 20% total due to death and immigration to other countries and other places in Ireland. On the page, it's mentioned the Banshee, which is the Banshee, obviously. It's spelled like Bean Shiday, and I probably said it wrong a number of times. Hopefully I edited most of those out. St. Breed or Bride, I'm not sure exactly the pronunciation on that one either, also known as St. Bridget of Kildare or Bridget of Ireland, lived from 453 CE to 525 CE, and shares a name with the Celtic goddess Brigid. The goddess was one of the spring of fertility, healing, smithing, and poetry. As noted on the page, she had two sisters also named Brigid, so she's another example of the three who are one, the triple goddess. There's no mother maiden crone specifically here, but it's the same idea. Each iteration of the goddess had a particular specialty. One was the goddess of poets, one was the goddess of healing, one of smithing. St. Bridget herself was known for turning water into beer, so there's a connection back to the women of Egypt brewing beer that we talked about a bit back. Although that may be a bit of a stretch, but that's nothing new for me. Another story I liked about St. Bridget was that she took a vow of chastity, and a man named Bassinet told her, The beautiful eye which is in your head will be betrothed to a man, though you like it or not. At which point Bridget violently poked herself in the eye and stated, Here is that beautiful eye for you. I deem it unlikely that anyone will ask you for a blind girl. She also cursed the man and stated that his eyes would burst from his head. And apparently it happened, which is a pretty badass awesome story. Most Catholic saints have been cleaned up pretty well, or at least seem to be in my memory of when I was confirmed about 20 years ago. Finn and Oisin are two separate characters, although I may not have separated that in my reading. Finn may be a bit more familiar due to being the namesake of WWE wrestler Finn Balor, was a hunter and warrior in Irish mythology. His name meant white, fair, handsome, blessed, or just. He supposedly is not dead, but must let the world believe that he is dead and sleeps in a cave waiting to defend Ireland in her hour of greatest need, when the horn of Feanna, his followers, is sounded three times. Oisin is Finn's son and a poet who narrates the tales of his father, the Fenian Cycle, or the Ossiatic Cycle. Oh, it's pronounced Oshin. I made a nice note of this way, way down the way. Well, fuck me. Oshin means young deer. In some tellings of the tales, Oshin means St. Patrick meets St. Patrick before he dies and is able to pass on the stories contained in the Fenian Cycle. The Wikipedia page for Conan the Bald, also known as Conan Mac Morna, is brief and to the point. He was a member of Finn's followers. He was a troublemaker and a comic figure, hence his nickname, The Bald, I'd imagine. Another source, though, painted him as a bit of a loudmouth with not an insignificant amount of bluster. The Mound Folk, as mentioned on the page, are a large and varied group of different supernatural creatures, gods, goddesses, and other various almost gods and nearly goddesses. The Banshee, the Selkie, and Clericon are all part of this motley crew, as are the Leprechauns. The greater group is known as the Ishi, 
which translates literally as people of the mound, and were thought to inhabit small hills across UK in variable-sized hills, tumuli, barrows, and burial mounds. These are the folk that Essie Trugowan was looking to satisfy back in her story, the beliefs and practices she observed in the chapter, leaving out a dish of cream, leaving a loaf of bread in the wheat fields, is known as, well, I didn't give myself a pronunciation, so fuck me again, Kritith Sai, translated to fairy faith, and some of these practices supposedly continue to this day in parts of Ireland and Scotland, though I couldn't find anything more specific than maybe 1990 there was still people worshipping in this way. There's a lot about the Ishi, and I wish I had more time to discuss the Fir Gorta, or the Kasi, alas. Sweeney himself starts getting in on the storytelling, and, and I like that he's just kind of there. It isn't said that he rises from the table in the morgue, or he's some disembodied voice down the hall. He's literally just hanging out, having a drink, and talking about how awesome his life was, and how awesome he was. I think if I was going to expect anyone to show up for their own wake, that would be Mad Sweeney. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetail at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.